Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Thank you so much for tuning into Growth Island again. So I've got a ton of questions about exercise because, well, we all want to be healthy, right? But we often have limited time. So what can we do to exercise in a minimum amount of time and still get good results? So I asked my really good friend, Boomer Anderson, who has the big podcast, Decoding Humans, and he's had over 100 people on the podcast. And he was like, I know who you need to talk to. You need to talk to Sten Stray. Gunderson, and I still said it wrong, even though he's half Norwegian, so I should be able to pronounce it. <laughs> so oh, good. I got Sten on today. He um, is doing his PhD in exercise physiology and also did his master in exercise science. So he's going deep on this stuff and actually looking into the research and not just the bro science, you know, where you're like looking down in the gym like, yo, bro, what's up? Got to do some more lifting. So I wanted to make sure I found someone that's actually into the science. So Sten, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure to be here. So you have been doing some research on how we can exercise in a smart way that doesn't damage us. And it's something that sounds kind of interesting and also kind of fun when you see it first. Can you say a, a few words on uh, on the, the, few, yeah, the short description on what is it? Yeah, so what you're referring to is something that's called blood flow restriction. Um, it has various names. Originally came out of Japan as, uh, as formerly as known as Tokatsu, which in J- Japanese means additional pressure. It's essentially applying bands on your arms and legs, upper arms and legs, uh, in order to restrict blood flow, which traditionally uh, you would need to lift heavy weights to get these results, but you actually restrict your blood flow, perform lightweight exercises, and you get the same benefits as lifting heavy weights. And how did you get into that? So that's that's an interesting story. Uh, I actually I, I got into it through my dad actually. So my dad has actually uh, been a researcher in exercise physiology realm for you know over forty years now, and he's kind of been a person that people go to when they have these interesting ideas. And he was approached by a group from Japan with kind of the first edition of, of BFR called Katsu, and that's kind of how it all began. Once it was it was in his hands, it quickly kind of you know went down to mine. Uh, I was actually playing uh, soccer or football at the time uh, for Dartmouth College and looking to get an edge on the competition and, and get a little bit more out of my training. So I started using it really the first first way I started finding out about it and buying into it was for my own performance. Mm. Um, and this kind of inspired uh, you know a, a love for physiology and understa- understanding the physiology associated with exercise that eventually got me into what I do now. Fantastic. So, so what's the underlying mechanism behind yeah. it and why does it work? Because one of the things that people might be afraid of is like if you restrict blood, that doesn't mm-hmm. sound too good just from someone that's not a layman. Yeah. And, and to your point, I, when I first heard about this, I was extremely skeptical. Even if it was that it was coming from my dad, he was also very skeptical. But uh, the, the proposed mechanism, and again, this hasn't all been worked out. So I just want to, you know, disclaimer out there. But the proposed mechanism is that what we're doing is restricting the venous outflow. So you really have two forms of blood flow, right? You have your oxygenated blood going through your arteries. It then gets uh, used up by the muscles or other tissues within the capillaries. And then on your venous, uh, venous side of things, you have the desaturated or deoxygenated blood coming back to the heart to be pumped in the lungs and resaturated. So really what the basis of BFR is, is trying to impede the venous side 
venous blood flow, uh, venous side of things, really. And mm. the reason why we're able to restrict the venous outflow and not affect the arterial inflow is due to the smooth muscle that's around the, ar- the arteries. So in order to optimize blood flow to tissues, in order to get waste out of tissues, um, we actually, on our arteries, we have thick, smooth muscle that vasodilates and vasoconstricts depending on the demand from the muscle itself. With the veins, they have a very thin amount of smooth muscle, but it's nowhere near what's, what, what's on the arteries. And so by placing a band around, an elastic band, technically, around the limb itself, we can restrict venous outflow, which does two things. It disrupts the normal, normal circulation and impedes our ability to remove waste from the contracting muscle without interfering with the arterial inflow. And this is actually a little bit different than other pathways in the literature right now. Uh, where we, where people are using adapted blood pressure cuffs uh, in order to occlude a percentage of arterial inflow, go up to a, a, a you know a, AOP or arterial occlusion pressure, back off, and then perform exercises at that given pressure. So this there's kind of uh, you know we could we can kind of bifurcate it into two distinct forms, but really the the one that I have studied extensively has been the sort of venous restriction, kind of the original BFR. Hmm. And and that's all to say so. As, as you restrict that, that venous blood flow, your muscle gets more and more in trouble. And by, by that, I mean it's building up metabolites in that area. It's using up the ATP. It's using up the glycogen, using up the creatine. And that process, you know, you normally need a replenishment of blood very quickly and an actual excretion or blood flow to get the waste out in order to sustain that muscle contraction or that intensity. And so very quickly with light weights, you're able to stimulate a really high-intensity, high-load environment in your actual muscle that then stimulates adaptations that you want. Got it. So the benefit of doing that, except that you don't have enough weights at your house. Yeah. And so actually during, during this uh, sort of quarantine Corona, I, I have been solely doing home workouts using body weight, um, light dumbbells, uh, elastic bands, and, and just really been having a, a very good um, experience with it. I've actually gained muscle and, which is, you know, surprising. Even even researching this stuff, it, you know, you really don't appreciate it until you start really doing it and you see this re- results in yourself um, that you can really start to appreciate it. It's, it's really quite quite something. Yeah. So one of my really good friends is using it as well. And um, he has, uh, he needs to be careful on how much load he puts on his, on his body. Mm-hmm. So is that one of the advantages as well? Like the more kilos you put on, um, the more pressure you also put on the body. Or Yeah. Yeah. So in in some ways, and I, and I don't want to say that lifting weights is, is inherently dangerous because it's not. And, and I think loading the joints, uh, especially in a, in a healthy person is actually important. The nice thing about BFR is that we don't have to load the joints in order to reap the benefits of, of exercise. And so, you know, for some people that that can be their only form of exercise, you know, for example, if you're, if you're, you know, want to be time efficient, if you're, if you want to be, have the minimal effective dose, right, you can do this and, and get the most out of it. For others, a combined approach where you're lifting a little bit or, or loading the tissues and loading the joints a little bit or, or maximally and then kind of tailoring that and then adding a polishing BFR session on after. The third is when people can't use loads at all. Let's say they're rehabbing or, or they're getting a little bit older and they just can't have that strain on their, on their joints and tissues. Um, this is a great way to maintain fitness and maintain muscle mass in those later stages. Got it. I heard it's good for traveling as well because it doesn't take up that much space. Amazing, yeah. And actually, this is one of the things. Uh, my my airplane protocol. Anytime 
I'm on a on a plane for more than four hours, I will uh, put the bands on. I'll get a little a few weird looks, but I'll put the bands on my arms and legs and just walk up and down the aisle or do some calf raises or some bicep curls just just to get the the, the body moving and, and blood flowing. Because um, it's you know perhaps ironically this this impediment of blood flow, the normal circulation, once you take the bands off, actually has this what we call a hyperemic effect or increased blood flow uh, effect, and and because of that, you end up stimulating a lot of tissues you feel better feel more energized you have a little bit of an endorphin release so you just feel like you're on top of the world and this is one of the things i, I recommend to people who are giving presentations or going to meetings just doing a short two to two to three minute bfr session before just you know cognitively you're sharper and you're ready to kind of attack whatever you need to to go into interesting so one of the things like my like how hard do you have to tighten this stuff mm. Because so, my friend said that he's like he had it. He had other friends try it as well. Mm-hmm. Not all of them uh, felt it was that comfortable. He's like, but he's used to it. It also depends on whether you got really good bands or not, uh, right. whether it hurts or not. So he like had some cheap bands to start with, and then he got some more expensive bands that didn't hurt as much. Yeah. So this is actually something to to make sure we kind of tell the audiences that not every BFR product is made the same. And some can be dangerous. So if you don't know what you're doing, I, I definitely advise looking into it and making sure you talk to somebody who's a professional before before kind of embarking on on using BFR. Having said that, you know there are very effective products out there, and obviously the higher end ones are going to be more comfortable and, and that sort of thing. Again, having said that, really the comfort comes from getting used to it a little bit. It's not. It's never going to be fully comfortable. But what's what's really nice about the B Strong bands that we sell is that they, they provide a, a barrel system, which dis- dissipates or displaces some of the uh, tissue more more evenly or over a larger area. And this allows it for, for it to be a little bit more comfortable while maintaining this level of venous restriction. Other bands are, are wide and rigid, which kind of impede some muscle when you're doing this and, and, and it pinches in, in areas. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be painful. It's not exactly the most comfortable either. No. But so how hard do you tighten it? Is it like almost yeah, so, can fill your arm or like how does and is it on no, your arms? So, so that's actually that's one sign that it's on too tight. If if you're having any nerve kind of stimulation, whether it's going numb or tingling, that's a sign that's probably a little bit too tight. What that is 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 you're making that nerve, at least where the band is, uh somewhat ischemic or partially ischemic. Ischemic means no blood flow. So you're you're just reducing the blood flow in that area specifically. And we try to avoid that. Again, we're we're really in a perfect world, we would just simply have a venous clamp on our veins exiting our limbs, um, and that would be it. But unfortunately, you can't do that, so we designed a band. Yeah, makes sense. So and so, so yeah. So to answer your question a little bit, you know, it's a wide range of variability in terms of in terms of tightness among different products. But what what we do, we have a protocol where we have a fitting pressure, or rather, just a fitting tightness, and we say, you know, one finger can fit under it easily. It's difficult to fit two. And then we have a pneumatic pump that allows you to very accurately and precisely dictate the pressure. And with that, we we get we send out information in a, essentially a manual and an app to help guide people in order to determine the proper pressures to use. What's really nice about Be Strong is that up to our highest highest pressure, we cannot occlude arterial inflow, and we've shown this several times. And really, any major complications happen when you occlude arterial inflow when you make the muscle ischemic and then perform muscle contractions. This is where you can get into trouble. So the problem is actually if you tighten it too much. Exactly. So it's good to find a product that kind of makes sure that doesn't happen. Exactly. Exactly. And ideally, you want a you want a product that has some kind of uh, scale on it so that you can 
you can look at your variation day to day. Yeah. Does it mean that you can exercise in a short amount of time? Yes. In regards to doing the weights or how does that work? So let's say like instead of taking a hundred kilos in bench press because I'm such a big guy that people always know. Yeah. Do you do less sets or how does it work? Yeah. So, you know, I, there's no one set protocol, right? No. But generally speaking, you don't want to have these on for more than 15 to 30 minutes. Um, partially just because your muscles are screaming, you're, you're, you're maximally being, uh, you know, exercised and, um, and things like that. So you don't want them on for much longer than that. Uh, and so really within that time, you can have a very, very intense workout. And so something that's become fairly popular among people who are kind of pressed for time are these Tabata or, or high intensity hit workouts, right? And essentially that's, that's what we're trying to get with BFR without inducing as much load on your tissues. So we're still shooting for that Tabata type workout, high intensity workout, but the absolute load is low. And, and so you're not actually damaging the fibers, but you're still getting that huge calorie burn. And then the other thing is those hit workouts in BFR stimulate something called EPOC, which is excessive post-oxygen consumption. And, and what that is, it, it essentially raises your resting metabolic rate in order to burn more calories while you're not exercising. So even just doing a 15 to 20 minute workout per day, that next 24 hours, you're going to be stimulating all these processes that lead to leaning out and building muscle. Sounds pretty smart. It's, it's, it's really something. <laughs> it's the hacking the, the systems that normally adapt to exercise. And this, you know, we know as humans, exercise is such a critical component of health and it's such a regulatory component of health. There, there's so many, there's so many, you know, downstream mechanisms that are affected positively from exercise in general. This is simply a way to hack into that physiology and get the most out of it. Yeah. So something, because there's so many things in the biohacking world that makes a huge difference. And I'm always curious, like, especially when there's more science coming out, like what's keeping it back from getting out to more people? What do you think is one of the things that is that is keeping this from being more known to the general public? Is it um, because it's a new approach, which I don't think is a new, but it might right. just be new in regards to actually doing um, more research on it or like what's, right. what's kind of been keeping it back? Yeah, so it's a really good question. And, I, and I, I, I'm going to attempt at the answer, but it doesn't mean I'm right by any means. I think part of it is is it has been around for quite a while, by the way. So in Japan, this is actually a pretty standard uh, standard practice. And they've been doing it. Uh, the research there has, is, you know, 30, 40 years old. Um, so they've known about it for quite a while. It's just making its way into to Europe and kind of the Western Western culture here in, in the States as well. And I, but I think one of the big impediments is people still don't really understand it. It's uh, it's one of those things where, and and I experienced this too. It, when you're very skeptical for for things like this. I think that that tide is kind of turning, um, especially with you know more and more biohacking gaining credit credibility. I, I think that people are, are more and more buying into this. But I think it's really about people knowing that it's safe. Another concern is, well, I'm restricting blood flow. So and I don't really know about what that means physiologically. So maybe I'll stay away from it and just stick to my normal, normal thing. The other thing is, you know, people, you know, and, and rightly so, tend to believe in more traditional forms of exercise. And, and so it's always you know, it, it's best to go on the path well trodden than, than to try to like a new path. So I think right now we're going through the, po- the, the process of, of trotting that new path. Um, mm. And I think once we kind of go through that and explain the safety aspects and, and the potential benefits, which are, are just huge, I think it'll start gaining more and more. And actually, uh, over the past three years, I, I've seen it just really, really increase in popularity and, and just among everyone. That yeah. I to. What about people that have uh, heart issues? Yeah, so that's a, that's usually a, a really common question that comes up. 
Um, and so by heart issues, you know, there could be a myriad of things. So I don't want to, you know, blanket statement like that. But really, the only absolute contraindication to using uh, elastic pneumatic VFR, which um, so I can't speak for any other products, but be strong specifically, is the phenotype uh, for sickle cell anemia. Um, it's something where your cells, especially when exposed to high levels of hypoxia, actually become irregular in shape, and this can do damage to your tissues and blood vessels. Um, so that's really the only co- absolute contraindication. But everything else, as far as someone has been cleared to exercise, they should be able to perform a, a blood flow restriction uh, workout. Again, uh, as long as we're not uh, occluding arterial inflow, it, it's, it's relatively safe as long as you're placing the bands correctly and, and using the protocols that we set out. Yeah. So it sounds like the placement of the band and not making yes. it too tight, that's essential. And that's also what you got to be really careful then if you go right. on Amazon and buy some product or right. if you just find some stuff and try and tighten your arms and right. uh, be like, this is a way of doing your blood flow restriction training. Right. I wouldn't advise that. Yeah. Again, I, I wouldn't advise experimenting on yourself. Let Leave that to me and just kind of follow the research and see what the research is saying. If you are trying this at, at home, be sure to place it high up on the arm as high as it goes. I like to go right where the, the bicep meets the, sh- the shoulder right here in that in that groove. And then uh, right where the glute meets the hamstring on the legs. Okay. So essentially, uh, as high up on the limb as possible. And those two places tend to be the most comfortable as well. And and again, so you should be getting a little bit of discoloration in your arms and your legs, but it should not be numb or tingling. And it should not be inherently painful before you start working out. Yeah. And you could also go for a run with this, right? Yes. And actually, that's so that's one of the things that particularly the B-Strong bands are really nice for because they're they're made for kind of practical exercises like that. So you can run with these on. And, and one of the things that's, you know, more recent in the literature is the aerobic benefits from blood flow restriction. So we tend to think of, and most of the research has focused on the, the resistance exercise or the strength benefits where we've seen increases in strength and, and muscle hypertrophy or muscle size. And now there's there's been a, a focus on uh, the aerobic component. And Something that happens when you aerobically train yourself, particularly interval training, well, a bunch of things happen. But one of the things that happens is you stimulate uh, a bigger heart by reducing venous return. So venous return is how much blood is coming back to the heart at any one time. Because you're artificially or mechanically impeding that ability to return that blood to your heart, you're basically telling your body that the heart's not big enough. You, have, you don't have enough blood to go around and you need to adapt to that. So you increase your blood volume or how much total uh, volume of blood that you have in your whole body. And, and, and over years, over time, you stimulate changes in, in heart muscle and heart shape as well. Now, these are normal adaptations to aerobic training and things like that, but you get a huge anabolic response as well when you use BFR in conjunction with that. And should you use it every single day or is it something you do like two times a week or three times a week and then you do normal exercises without? Yeah. So I would say it's 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 totally up to the individual. I, with any form of new exercise, I would always start out slow. So I would stick to two to three times a week. But especially right now, for example, uh, you know, I, I make sure to get a 15 minute workout in every day, and then I'll I'll go do uh, an activity on top of that if if that's if that's what the day calls for. So it's kind of the non negotiable for the day for me. Make sure you get the the biohack in, mm-hmm. um, and then and then from there you can perform your your sports. However, if you are looking to get into sort of a training program with this, I, I would recommend using it to polish off your normal training. So let's say you're training three times a week, traditional lifting, that kind of thing. Go into the gym, do about 75% of what you would normally do. Stop it right there, put the bands on and work those same muscle groups 
using the similar exercises, but using a, a B-Strong BFR protocol. So three sets of 30 or uh, one set of 30 with, followed by three sets of 15 of that given exercise. And with that, uh, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're not taking away anything from actual loading and, and loading the joints and things like that. So if your goal is to be a weightlifter, you need to weightlift. If your goal is to be a football star, you need to play football. So there's a sport-specific aspect to all this, and it needs to be happening at the, at the loads that you're going to be dealing with. But the way that BFR works is it is, is a nice tool to, to augment the normal adaptations that you get from exercise. So you know you can kind of think of a normal training, a training stimulus causing a catabolic or breaking down of tissues, followed by an anabolic building up of those tissues. What B, BFR kind of does is because we're using light weights, the actual damage to the muscle is very minimal. And so that, that cost of the exercise is no longer down here. It's more right around here, but we still get that same anabolic effect. So chronically, that has major implications for your recovery and your ability to perform the next day and the next day and the next day. And so that, that in theory means that you could work out a bit more. Exactly. And, and actually, but because the absolute loads that you're experiencing, the absolute time that you're actually exercising, it ends up being less but you can increase the frequency at which you train to, to get better and better. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. I saw this interview with Joe Rogan, and I don't remember mm -hmm. the guest he had in, I think it was someone in martial art, and they discussed whether you should exercise until like you couldn't do anything else more, right? Yeah. Uh, no pain, no gain. Training to failure. He was like, that's f absolutely bullshit, because if yeah. you don't like totally come, like damage yourself, you can work out the next day as well, and the next right. day. And just do less pull-ups and push-ups and so on. Right. I think that was that was pretty interesting. And I guess this is also supporting that you can you can do more exercise and then get more reps in over the long term. Right. Uh, you know that's a really it's a really interesting topic, and this is often debated amongst exercise physiologists and and people kind of in this field. You know whether to go high volume, low intensity, or high intensity, low volume. You know it it really depends on the phase of training that you're in. So, so I wouldn't say one is better than the other. It really just depends on, on that given situation. But what's nice is in those times where you have really high intensity, where you are breaking down the muscle because you are trying to restructure things, right? Adding in a little BFR to that helps, that helps augment that anabolic response. So you're going to recover better, even though you're, you're still breaking down tissues, you're adding this in to recover. Or if you're on a really high volume, low intensity sort of, sort of thing, you can add a little bit more volume, but the absolute intensity is, is still lowered. And so, and it's really nice to be able to, especially in the training world, be able to titrate this, this as a tool to, to get the most out of, out of what you want. And so that's, that kind of gets into the minutia of training, but for, you know, for the average individual, for, for the executive, the one who, who's kind of, you know, wants to, again, the minimally, minimally effective dose, this is a great standalone tool as well. Yeah. What would you recommend for someone that's like, I'm busy, I got kids, I don't got mm -hmm. much sleep, I know I should get more sleep. I know I should exercise more. I'm trying yeah. to eat healthy. I can get in like three times, half an hour to an hour. Would that be a mix of these kind of bands? Would it be like once uh, these kind of bands would actually be going for a run instead? Or like what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so quite honestly, once you start using these, it becomes, at least for me, personally speaking, it becomes the preferred way of exercising because it's so it's so efficient and just effective. And so... Again, do, do what you do what you want to do, right? It, do what makes you feel good. If if there's a certain type of training that that you enjoy, do that. But you know, if you're if you're you know, you only have a limited amount of time in the day, you can get a very effective workout in 20 minutes. 
And so if they only have, you know, three hours a week to devote to, to working out, I would spread that over five days, five, six days, you know, a few 15, 20 minute workouts. And before you know it, um, you're, you're maximally stimulating the anabolic response and really, really benefiting from that exercise. So yeah, it, it, what that protocol would look like, you know, body weight exercises. So think push-ups for those a little bit stronger out there. You can, you can try pull-ups. Again, we want to shoot for relatively low weight to be able to kind of not get sore for the next, next round of things. But, but, you know, dumbbell exercises, elastic band exercises, core workouts, there's the kind of the, the list is endless in terms of possible exercises you can do in a very short time. Hmm. And so I know one of the guys that are working with the 3X bar in Denmark. Mm. And there's this really known uh, YouTube video with a German um, bodybuilder, so to say, trainer, who is ripping it apart. Um, but there's a lot of the things in that YouTube video that are not correct. Mm. And so he's often having to like explain why that's not correct. Right. If someone doesn't like this approach um, and you start Googling it and finding or you put in critique, what would be some of the common critiques and some of the common misunderstandings that people would be reading and being like, well, I just heard about this thing guy. He seemed pretty nice. But this <laughs> other guy is saying that this doesn't work at all. Yeah. So we, we get this a lot, you know, having kind of been in the blood flow restriction world for a while. Um, I've heard I've heard about just about every uh, critique, uh, you know, I'm open to others, by the way. So something that often comes up is that does it really make you strong? How can you lift light weights and still get strength benefits? Because something that's maybe not super well known is, you know, any benefit, any increases in strength uh, from any training program are really coming from neurological or neuromuscular adaptations in the first four weeks of training. It's not really until fifth or sixth week where you start actually putting on muscle, right? Where we think of actually you know, most people think of like hypertrophy, putting on muscle size or toning up, right? Those things come from neurological strength. And so the question is, okay, great, it can make the muscle bigger by stimulating these adaptations, but can it really make it stronger? You know, again, at first, very skeptical, but the research has shown time and time again, that this is a reality using and I'll, and I'll bring actually this, this is a good point to, uh, to share my screen and share the study with you. Allow me to do that. Um, I will. <clears throat> See if I can make you a host. Okay. Perfect. Yep. Okay, so here we have a, a study from 2000 by Takarada et al. And I won't I won't bore you with all the details of the study, but essentially what we're what we're looking at here on the on the y-axis is elbow flexion torque, uh, or essentially uh, strength assessment of the bicep curl. Okay. And this is at a range of velocities um, and a range of actual values for that torque. This bottom line is before training, mm. and this top line is after training. And each uh, panel is referring to the high intensity or traditional weightlifting, low intensity without any, uh, any blood flow restriction or occlusion, low intensity with occlusion, so with blood flow restriction, and a completely untrained you know, sedentary group. What we find is that the high intensity increased its uh, strength and torque at each velocity that we see here. Um, and these are all significant improvements. This is what we would expect from a traditional weightlifting exercise. This was with really light weights without any blood flow restriction. And as you can see, there's no increases. There's one significant increase here at five RPM, likely because this is how they were training um, with, this, with these light weights, probably at that velocity. That's where we see increases. The main takeaway here, though, is in this, in this panel B. 
where it's the same weight, it's the same low intensity, lightweights, but we have BFR bands on and we see the same increases in strength that we saw with the high intensity group. It looks very similar, the two it, graphs. It's, it's almost it's exactly the same. Yeah, I, I, there's, there was no significant, this might okay. be a significant difference, this might be a significant difference from here, but essentially the same increases in strength. So this right here alone shows, and again, you, you don't want to take any one study as, as you know, the sole, the sole source, but I, I encourage others to take a look at this study and others that have shown, again, that we do see increases in strength. So that, that, that's one of the critiques that we often get. You know, having, having said that, it is good to, to load every now and again to kind of test yourself. So, you know, if you are just purely using BFR, occasionally go into the gym and, and see how you're improving or, or not. Um, and you can make subtle adjustments there. You know, an, another, another common kind of concern uh, is, comes from safety. You know, is this going to give me DVTs? Is it going to give me rapid myolysis? And really, to answer that, it, it depends on the BFR product that you get. So there's risk associated, associated with everything. Be strong has really tried to minimize that risk, and other and others that have really minimized that risk um, and set up protocols to make sure that we're doing things safely. The Amazon, the ones on you know on the internet for fifteen twenty dollars, don't have that really in place. And if you know what you're doing, they they can be somewhat effective. But you know, to the to the average individual, it's it's really ill advised to to use those uh, to try to get those gains. So one of the things again, so DVTs, what really needs to happen is something called Virco's triad. So Three things need to happen for there to be a blood clot that gets dislodged and causes some kind of embolism or DVT. And DVT, so just translating uh, that. Sorry, sorry, deep vein thrombosis. <laughs> and so you have to have endothelial damage, which usually that occurs in surgery where a surgeon actually slices a blood vessel. But this can also occur from something called reperfusion injury. Basically, when a tissue is ischemic, building up a lot of oxidative stress during that time, and then you get a rush of inflow of blood and that blood flow mixes with all those oxides and creates even more oxidative damage. So we can get endothelial damage that way. We, and then we also need stasis of blood flow. When we don't occlude arterial inflow, we don't get stasis. So that we don't have to worry about that. If you are occluding a percentage of arterial inflow, you, you may get stasis. And that's one of the reasons why there are set protocols to make sure that we are occluding safely, if that's what you're going to do. The third is just hypercoagulability, which is really just a genetic you know, you're genetically predisposed to have that, you know, two out of those three things we can control with blood flow restriction. And with the B strong product, we essentially account for both of those. So okay. that's another thing. And, and actually, it's interesting in Japan, this is actually used to treat people who are at risk of DVTs. Part of the reason is exercise in itself, like I mentioned before, is very regulatory. And so, you know, it tends to fix areas that are, that are kind of undergoing stress or under or dysfunctional. Um, exercise is a really powerful to, to do, tool to do that. And again, you know, BFR is not not coming up with anything extraneous. It's really again hacking into the existing physiology to try to get the most out of it. Got it. So if someone is listening, be like, okay, I gotta test this out, but I need to yeah. learn some more. Where where would you send people? Where can they read a bit more on it, or just be like, okay, I want to get started. Yes, if if you are if you're versed in in science, I would I would lead you to some academic papers. Literally, go on on PubMed or whatever your your uh, article search uh, database is, and 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 type in blood flow restriction and resistance training or exercise training. But really, uh, another great place is to go to bstrong training or bstrong.training.com. We have a really good synopsis that we've written up on sort of the proposed mechanism, some benefits, safety aspects, and things like that. 
please go check that out. And if you are interested, uh, please, you know, go ahead and, and purchase one. Uh, we'll be giving out a, a discount for, uh, 10% off, uh, with the, with the code STEN10, S-T-E-N, and then the number one zero. Make sure um, to so, include that in the show notes as well. Okay. We'll do. So we'll have that. And, and really, if you want to know more information, yeah, check out the website, um, and, and kind of do some homework on BFR. But like, like I said, BFR, I think has a power to be a really revolutionary tool and, and just has, I think is going to exponentially increase in popularity coming very, very soon. I am looking very much forward to seeing how it looks in three years' time, if it's going to gain some of the same popularity as the 3Xs right now, if it's going yeah. to be... Yeah, it sounds very promising. Uh, Boomer was uh, very excited about it, and my friend Thomas, who is one of the guys I asked for advice, was also super excited about it. Excellent. Yeah, so actually, for all, for all you guys out there, I, I should mention this. I was remiss not mentioning it to Boomer last, last, uh, last time we talked. Um, so one of the one of the nice benefits of this is a major bump in a molecule called nitric oxide. So I'm sure many many of you out there have heard of nitric oxide. Um, these these studies are coming out talking about the in, uh, intake of nitrates, which are NO minus three, um, gets converted into nitrite NO minus two, and then it gets into the bioactive version called NO, right? Nitric oxide. It's a major vasodilator in the body. And one of the things that blood flow restriction do does is it stimulates the release of, of nitric oxide. So whether that's increasing its bioavailability or our sensitization to, to nitric oxide, um, it is increasing the ability to engorge blood vessels. And something that a lot of people benefit from exercise in general is more libido and, and more sex drive. And so one of the, that one of the proposed benefits of blood flow restriction in particular is, uh, an enhanced erectile function in response to, to this blood flow restriction. Uh, I think that know. should be the opening. Yeah, that's what they that's what they usually say. So it really it really is something I I, I if nothing else uh, go out and try it just for that um, and, and and see see what you see what happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. Super. Stain. What I what are some of your habits apart from uh, apart from doing this? Yeah. So again, I, I grew up playing soccer. So uh, football. Sorry. I, I know I'm I'm in the states here. I'm I'm so Texan now. Grew up playing football, and um, so I, I love I love to do that. I. Uh, I'm a big mountain biker. I go mountain biking. I'm very active. Uh, I, I've lived a, a lot of different places. Uh, some of the time in Park City, Utah. So love the mountains. Love skiing. Go out uh, here in Austin. We have a lake where we, we go paddle boarding, and so just love to live healthy and 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 get into the research. Love studying physiology, and that's kind of my life. Try to you know live it out and and really really be what I'm studying. Sounds fantastic. I I'm finding a lot of biohackers are actually ending up not living it as much as they are preaching it or posting yeah. on Instagram and so on and kind of forgetting to like, just as you said, go to the mountain, enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I, have i really gotten into, um, biohacking in general, like whether it's meditation, um, just, just really being mindful of, of surroundings, also just nutrition intake, just being very cognizant of what you're putting into your body has such a profound impact on your microbiome, which then has downstream effects on your hormones. And so all of these aspects play into, into one another. And, the ability to use BFR to really kind of uh, augment all of these processes has really been my kind of golden ticket to be able to stay healthy and, and, and you know, have vitality in my life. So mm. makes sense. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I feel like I'm a ghost on the internet a little bit. You're I, hard uh, to find at least. I, yeah, I'm, I'm hard to find. I have had a couple articles come out uh, recently uh, looking at the safety aspects of, of blood flow restriction. So um, you can look up some of those studies. Uh, walking with blood flow restriction is one of them, and blood flow restriction in combination with yoga 
is another one. I, I I'm not too 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 profound or big into social media or anything like that. Uh, I think uh, you know it, it can be really really beneficial, and and I think there's a lot of good going out there. But you know, so maybe it's something for me to get into. But yeah, just a lot of time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Trying to focus on on other things, but so I, I don't know if that's really answering your question. Uh, mm-hmm. But but they can. I'll try and find a link for your academic page or where we can okay. see studies coming out. Uh, you have a LinkedIn as well that I'll link to. I do have LinkedIn. Yeah, so you can find me there. Please reach out. I'm also on Facebook and, and Instagram. So yeah, reach out if you have questions. Let me know. Great. Before we round off, any last advice? Can be anything about uh, life to uh, to be happy, yeah. healthy, meaningful life that you found that worked for you, or that you would like yeah. to live, but uh, you're still working on. Yeah. Well, so a couple things. I I, I uh, really appreciate the holistic approach to to everything. So. I think everything is so interconnected in terms of how you live your life. And I think fundamentally, the biggest thing is just being true, true to your word. If you're true to your word and you're true to yourself, all the things that you tell yourself that you're going to do, you will do, right? Having said that, we're not perfect. And you know everybody struggles with you know, sticking to plans and being disciplined. And so that's that's something I constantly work on. But again, I think just you know speaking truth is, is a huge uh, advice and kind of extends into almost every facet of your life. So speak the truth and execute on your own words perfect steen sten how did i say it right sten you got sten. it all right yeah. thank you so much for taking the time and uh, and sharing your knowledge yep thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure thanks for listening to this episode of growth island be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.